Studios of Radio Free Brooklyn and staff or management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. I'm back, everybody. I'm so happy to be back with you all. Did you miss me? Because I know I missed you, all my blessed and highly favored people. But I needed to take some time. I needed to handle some things that was going on in my house. I was having a drain issue in the backyard. It was flooding the basement. It was just, it was a lot. (laughs) Trust me, it was a lot. But now that's all taken care of. I needed some much, you know, I needed some rest from all that because it was making me so anxious. And, you know, sometimes we just need to get away and just rest. 
Jesus did it. When things got overwhelming and he had to retreat to the mountain to pray to the Father just to replenish his spirit. And that's what I needed to do. But I'm back and ready to continue with our series that we started from before, what, about two weeks ago now, calling waiting, called, that I titled Waiting for His Return. But before I get into that, I have a bit of housekeeping that I need to take care of, which is very important. This is very important information. Did you know that June is Men's Health Month? The Cancer Services Program, CSP of Brooklyn, hopes you will use this time to take a positive step towards preventing all forms of cancer, including colorectal. Historically, men are less likely to get screened for colorectal cancer, yet men contract it more often than women. If you are over 45 years of age, we encourage you to call your health care provider to schedule a screening. If you are under 45, contact your provider to discuss your risk and when you should start. For men's in Kings County, aged 45 and older, without insurance, the CSP may be able to help with free colorectal cancer screening for those who qualify. Please contact the CSP at 718-250-8708 or learn more at tinyurl.com slash nycancerscreening. The CSP is supported with funds from the state of New York. Now, that's very important information. And I wasn't aware that it was Men's Health Month. So you men, get on the ball and take care of yourself because you just never know when the time is going to come and you won't have the opportunity to do that. And yeah, I was a... Uh, I was, uh, a friend of mine just recently lost um, their father. So my condolences goes out to the family. So just reading that, knowing that it was Men's Health Health Month, it just almost like, you know, just made me think of that again, that, you know, how he just lost his father and not to colorectal cancer or anything, but just the fact of just losing your father, you know, and it's Men's Health Month. It's just a lot that, yeah, check yourself. Make sure you're okay, men. Take care of yourself. We need you here. So now, when we last were together, we were talking about salvation being more than fire insurance. And just to refresh the conversation, I was stating to you that it was time for we as Christians to grow up. And if you missed any of my previous shows, you can pick them up on Spotify and Apple and other podcast platforms. And you can also access my show page on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and listen there. Because I want anyone that's just tuning in today for the first time, when I'm talking, you know, in this conversation that I'm going to have, you can listen to it 
but it, you, it always pays to have the background story. And in all my other shows, I always go back to the background. So I'm just giving just a little heads up to catch us up to where I was before. So I was talking about salvation not being just fire insurance. And I was stating at that time that it's time for us as Christians to do what we were called here to do. Now, let me be perfectly clear. We've been on this journey. When I first started the show, our journey was to find out what our purpose in life was so that we can live life more abundantly, right? But can I also tell you that our number one purpose, and I, you, I'm sure you've all heard, all have heard me mention this before, that our number one purpose for being here was to worship God. We were created to give him glory daily. We were created to walk with him and be in communion with him every day. And then in addition to that, we were all sent here with specific purposes that we needed to fulfill. But yet again, even with those specific purposes and the talents that he gave us, it was still all to give him glory. So everything points back to him as it should, right? Because it's all about him. Apart from him, who are we? We wouldn't even exist. Apart from him, we wouldn't exist. And I wanted to I wanted to stress that because so many people feel that they can do whatever they want. They are their own person. They're their own captain of this ship, whatever they used to say, destiny, charter, whatever. I can't even remember what the saying used to be when I was younger and everybody used to say that. But no, it's not. I'm here to say, no, it's not. It is about him. So when we keep this in mind, it should be foremost in our thinking that every movement that we make should be to fulfill his will and to do his work. Now, when we take all that into account and the fact that we accepted the gift of salvation, we should be ready to begin growing and learning all that is required of us. Because when, think about it. If you move to a new town or a state, wouldn't you want to learn about where you're moving and how to move around town, how to find the grocery store? Some would join churches right away. They'd be looking for a church home. If they had children, they'd be trying to find the best schools that they could possibly put them in so that they can receive the best education. We do more fact-finding when we go on vacation in two weeks. We are already looking to see, okay, where do I want to go? What do they have there? Uh, are they going to give me exactly what I need? Do I have time on the beach? Do I even want to do a beach? Do I want to do hiking? Do they have mountains? Do they have this, that, the other? We do all that. We know everything about the trip before we even take the trip. So let me ask you, why don't we take our participation in the kingdom just as serious? Right? You felt the nudging of the Lord inviting us to salvation, right? It invited you to get saved. And then after you accepted the invitation, you were baptized in water, which was an outward expression 
of confession of your belief that Jesus is Lord and he's the son of God and he died for your sins. Then we were, we received the Holy Spirit that dwells within us and he guides us towards all truth and he brings back to our remembrance everything that we have learned. And now we're part of the family. Yay. And then we just take a seat at the table waiting to be served. That's not how it works. We're now called to do what he left us here to do, which was quite simple, to invite others to accept the gift, to tell others of his goodness. Right? But I get it. When I just said that, it dawned on me. How could you tell somebody else about goodness that you don't even know about for yourself? Right? You can't give to others what you don't know. You can't give to others what you don't have. So do you know the first thing that we should do when we became or when we become, for those of you who haven't joined the family, when you become a babe in Christ, the first thing you should do is learn the promises. Learn the promises that were given to us by God. Because how could you look for a blessing or a miracle if you don't know what was promised to you. And some of you might be looking for stuff that he didn't say he was going to give you. You might be looking and waiting for stuff that he didn't say that he was going to do. But how would you know if you didn't go to the book to learn it? How would you know? And why only live on the promises that you hear others say, right? Because there's always those, always the same promises you hear over and over and over. And not that they're bad promises to hear over and over and over. They're great. But I like hamburgers. Actually, I love hamburgers. But I can't eat hamburgers, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, snack, sleeping, eating. Everything cannot be a hamburger. I need some french fries. I might need some cheese every now and then. Right? So... And then it dawned on me too, this is why he gave me to give a promise every week along with our word of the month. Because in the beginning, if you started from my beginning shows, you'll notice I've also evolved and we all should evolve. We should grow as he, as the spirit leads us, as he teaches us, as we learn more with the flow, flowing in your purpose You know exactly how you should present things. And in the beginning, I didn't always give a promise. It wasn't until I picked up the word of the month and the promise every week. I give you a promise every week. And that's just so that you would know what it is that he's trying to tell you. It was to open up your spirit to the possibilities that are awaiting you in Christ Jesus. So let's re not even recap, but let's just, like I always say, go back to the beginning. And I'm, I'm not going to go back in the beginning of Genesis, but we need to go back to the reason Jesus died. Jesus died to forgive humans for their sins and to give us everlasting life, plain and simple. That's why he came here. Every, everything else that everybody else wants to debate, oh, Jesus is not. Jesus is white, Jesus is black, Jesus is Spanish, Jesus is Asian. 
Jesus didn't walk on water. Jesus is not God's son. Jesus is just a teacher. Jesus was just a pro. All that, plain and simple, he came here to die for our sins, to give us everlasting life. That was his sole purpose for coming to earth. Romans 6.23 tells us. And as usual, I'm reading from the New King James Version, unless I tell you otherwise. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, 7. In, in, in him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So that right there lets you know that's why he came here. That's why he came here. And to keep it even simpler, why people want to debate the back and forth of who, what, where, when, and why, it's, it just it makes it more difficult when you try to understand every little piece. If you just pick up the part that he came to die for your sins and give you everlasting life, if you could just grasp on to that, then everything else will open up to you and he'll reveal himself to you in the level that you're able to receive him. And that's where it comes to us growing up as Christians. We don't just accept him, okay, he died for our sins and we have everlasting life, so now I have nothing else to do. That's not true. And like I said in the last, in the last um, installment, it's just like being a baby. When a baby's born, we have to teach it to walk, how to feed itself, how to go to the bathroom. Then we start teaching it how to talk and read and write so that when they get older, they can take care of themselves. Think of those who haven't been given all those tools and now they're just wandering around, barely making it because they weren't given those tools of how to succeed. It's the same thing as being a babe in Christ. If you're not given the tools, then how are you going to know what you should be doing and how to function in the kingdom? And a lot of churches, as I had said before, when they first started teaching the word, they did it, but they only gave you parts of it because they wanted to keep you under wraps, they wanted to keep people not knowing exactly what was afforded to them because they wanted to maintain control. But see, post-pandemic, if you've been paying attention, everything is open to everybody you can understand for yourself. Even going into the traditional building where some of us had already stopped going into the traditional building and not that we stopped the assembly of ourselves together, but some of us, yours truly, 
had stopped going into the brick and mortar. I didn't feel I had to be in a, and I told this story from before, if you, if some of you can recall, how I left seminary school because of what they were teaching. It wasn't, it wasn't, my spirit wasn't connecting with that because to me, when I read the word, that's not what they were saying. And it's not that I'm, I'm not a scholar of the word, nor would I ever say that, that I know more than the theologians out there. No, that's not what I'm saying. But when you love the Lord and you're listening to him and you're talking to him and you're reading his word and you're asking him for clarity and you're asking him for understanding and you're asking him to break down what this scripture means. And then you go to a school and they're telling you something other than what he told you. And not that, like I said, not that I'm saying that I know it all, but I know some of the things that they were saying to me. That's not what God was saying. But they were only giving me a piece of it. They weren't giving me the whole story. They weren't giving me the whole explanation of how it pertained to my life. And that's the same thing with some brick and mortar churches. They'll say things. They'll take scripture out of context. And that's another thing that we have to be careful of. When we read the scripture, we have to read the whole story that goes with it as well. Because there's always more to the story. Not just what you feel you want to see here in what's being said. So that all comes with us growing up instead of just being babes. All that comes along with us growing and learning in the kingdom. But that only comes from reading your word. You have to read the word. And yes, some translations, when you translate it from Greek, Aramaic, and then Greek, and then Hebrew, yes, some meanings are changed in some of the words. Because some words, as you know, if you speak another language, everything can't be translated exactly into that other language. If you say one word, because some of it might get lost, so you try to find the next word best word to describe what it is you're trying to say, but it might not be exactly what it means. But I will say, I don't want people to get hung up on that either because there are many translations and yes, some words might change, but it doesn't change the whole thing entirely. It doesn't say, okay, like, let's just take, for example, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. You could say thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not slay, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not bludgeon to death. They all mean the same thing. At the end of the day, he was saying, don't take someone else's life. Right? Don't take someone else's life. But I said that in what? Four different ways. But it all meant the same thing. So you can't get hung up on, oh, well, it said thou shalt not kill. But, well, you know, when I translate it into my language, kill means, no, it all means the same thing. So when you read it, there's certain things in the Bible that regardless of the translation that you read, it all means the same thing. So you can't get, what do they say, semantics. They can't get hung up on, well, he didn't exactly say, no, he said it. He said it. 
If you if you're trying to find a loophole and that's the thing with it, too. So many of us, rather than to do what we're supposed to do, like in life, and that's just part of being in the world. And we're going to talk about that next week, the carnality. Always trying to find a loophole to get around something so you don't have to do. Just do it. Just like Nike says, just do it. If you just did it, more people go or go to the extreme to not do something than to just do something that's so simple to do. And that's when it comes to us growing up. Sometimes it's just read the word, pray. What did God tell you? What did he tell you? Yeah, I know sometimes it's hard to accept what he's telling you to do because sometimes we just don't want to do it. And y'all know that story from me as well. I was given this calling a long time ago and I was running from it for years. But you know what? There comes a time when you get tired of running and there's no place else to run. Because what did I say in the beginning? All things were created by him. We were created by him for him. Everything that's here was created for him. So where are you running to if everything that's here is his? Where are you actually running to? And until you get that in your head, it's going to be hard for you to grow. You're going to stay in the same place that you're in. But I want to also tell you, when we look at Matthew and we look at what Jesus said to the rich young man, Matthew 19, 16 to 22. Now behold, one came to and said to him, good teacher, what good thing should I, shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all those things I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So now the young man walked away sad and blessed is the reading of the word. The young man walked away sad. How many of us are walking away sad even after being saved? Because we feel we have to give up something in order to follow Christ. Now, yes, Jesus did say, since the man said he was following all the commandments, he was following all the commandments, all of them. But Jesus told him, all right, well, then sell everything you have, give it to the poor and then come follow me. And that broke the young man's heart. He was like, what are you kidding me? All my riches? You know how hard I worked to get this? You know what I did to obtain this? You want me to sell my Lamborghini? You want me to give up my mansion with the 50,000 acres in California? You want me to give up my coastal view house that sits on the water where I can see everything and nobody else could go on the beach because I made the, the, I made the beach that was public private because it's on my land that I, I bought? You want me to give all that up? Are you kidding me? When Jesus said that, 
He was testing the man's heart. He was testing to see exactly where he was coming from. Because was this man now just wanting to obtain something else? Because he had so many possessions. Well, let me just see if I could just take being in the kingdom. Let me just add that to my list of things that I already have. Most of the time, when Jesus says give up, it's a testing to see exactly where your heart is. And we're going to continue this going into next week when we talk about carnality. Where exactly is your heart? The word has principles that are key to what we are supposed to do as we're living this life. Are you making your choices based on the word and knowledge of God? Are you living your life as God mapped it out for you? We'll continue with this conversation come next week. But I want you to think about all that that we spoke about today. And it's all in the process of growing up. Growing up and being a mature adult as a Christian. And with that, I think it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. What Brooklyn sounds like. Just when I thought you've done more than enough You do one more thing to blow my mind Lord, you are good all the time You always seem to blow my mind And just when I thought you've done more than enough You do one more thing to blow my mind that is what you do You keep on coming through That is what you do Yeah Keep on coming through That is what you do yeah. Keep on coming through That is what you do Keep on coming through Faithful my God You have been You come through time time again You never let me fall and you will not fail and you said you'll be there to the end That is what you do Keep on coming through That is what you do Yeah, Keep on coming through That is what you do you Keep on coming through that is what you do Keep on coming through As I sing your praise Let worry fade And all my hopes restore Let my memories Remind me of What you did before as I sing your praise, let worry fade and all my hope restore. Let my memory. 
you are good all the time You always seem to blow my mind And just when I thought you've done more than enough You do one more thing to blow my mind And just when I thought you've done more than enough do one more thing to blow my mind And just when I thought you've done more than enough You do one more thing to blow my mind Hallelujah, I'm forgiven, praise God in heaven who reigns, yeah. Hallelujah, Christ is risen, now every heart has a way, there's nothing left to do but give you praise, yeah. Jesus, only you get on my praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your patience with me. Cause I was
I can be anxious at times as I consider the challenges I have to face. Like when I work to get ahead and still fall behind, I start to wonder if I was meant to win the race. Striving to do things right And when things go wrong Tempted to hide But this time I will be still This time I will be still For me to keep feeling this way When I consider who is on my side Walking with me every step I need to take On the desperate days and the long dark nights Oh, 24-7, he never sleeps Thank you, Father When I remember, he brings Because I've got a work to do And I'm gonna see it through God showed me the way And I'm choosing it today When the mountain has to move The mountain must obey The words that I speak And bow down to my faith Because I've got a work to do Stop me. Stop. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. Now, as I always start off Op-Ed, and now you know I've been gone for two weeks, but that still hasn't stopped things from going on to be talked about, right? It seemed like Everything was just exploding in the world. Everything was just exploding, like out of control. But as always, because there's always so much going on, I'm going to narrow it down and we're going to take it a piece at a time. Because in reality, it's all part of the big picture. It's all part of the big picture, but we're going to take it a piece at a time. And we're going to talk about the gun violence, which is an ongoing subject for America. And it seems to be only America's problem, which should make you think. The shootings. Now, before I left, we had talked about, I believe we talked about the shootings that took place in Buffalo because I believe they took place before I left at the supermarket. Since then, we've had several other mass shootings. And now let me describe to you, let me define to you what a mass shooting means. That's four or more injured. Four or more people shot as a mass shooting. So if I, God forbid, walk into some place and shoot four people, I'm a mass shooter. Mass shooter doesn't have to be like 100 anymore. Four people. Four people is a mass shooting. So we have the gun violence that's taking place. We have um, the guy who walked into the hospital and shot the doctor because he was in pain from an operation he had. Okay. We have the young man that when he turned 18 was able now to buy another assault rifle and shot his grandmother and just went crazy and went into the school in Uvalde and killed all those children. And now, see, you have to pay attention to pay attention also to who's being killed. It's children. Most of the gun violence that is put upon society here in America, it's youth. It's the young people. It's the young adults. And young adults and youth represent future, our future. So it stands to reason what Ephesians 6 and 12 was telling us and what we've always talked about here on the show. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principality against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Every evil that's occurring is an act of spiritual warfare. And I know a lot of people just want to see it for surface. Oh, it's just mental illness. It's mental illness. It's it's not always mental illness. It's not always mental illness. And some of you may not agree with me, 
but I'm going to say this, and this is just my feelings. I'm not getting this from the scripture. It wasn't written in the Bible. So no, this is just what I'm saying, what I feel. Everybody that commits a heinous act is not crazy. All right. Let's just get that perfectly clear. Because if you want to know the truth, all of us is just one argument away, one upset away from being crazy. There, I said it. One argument away, one upset away from being crazy. A lot of us know how to control our anger and how we feel. We know how to control it. But there are some people that's out there like, you know what? I don't care. I'm not controlling it. If I feel this way, you're going to feel this way. That's not to make them crazy. No, they're not crazy because on a good day, they'll go to work. They'll make their money. They'll do whatever they need to do for themselves, but tick them off and they're annoyed. And now they want to take it out on the world because they're annoyed because they were never taught as everything don't have to go your way and everything is not going to go your way. So because now it didn't go your way, everybody must pay because you must get your way. And now don't. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying and I'm not downplaying mental illness. Yes, some people are having chemical imbalances in their brain that makes them respond to certain stimuli. But there's some people that don't have any chemical imbalance and or or here's one for you. The chemical imbalance that they're experiencing, they put upon themselves, i.e. lighten up, injecting, sniffing, drinking, you you altered your state of mind to get you to be there. So no, everybody, everybody that's committing these acts is not crazy, but they're able to say, oh, he had mental illness. Well, you know what? Mental illness, we, we talked about that. That mental illness umbrella holds a lot of things, holds a lot of things, but you want to classify He had mental illness, whereas if you really dissect it and put it under a microscope, he was spoiled and he didn't get his way as a child or he got his way so often as a child because nobody wanted to discipline and take the time to teach him the right way. Till now as an adult, he feels everybody in the world should give him the same privilege. It doesn't work like that, but I digress. So these people that want to hold on to their guns, okay, they're falling in that category. Those who want to hold on to their guns, they want to hold on to their guns because they're clinging to the Second Amendment right. And the Second Amendment is that we were able to be able to form a militia in order to defend from foreign intruders. If individuals in a state felt that the government was becoming like a ter- like a say if the government all of a sudden became like a dictatorship and it was totally against what we as the people here wanted it to go because you know we're supposed to be democratic you know democracy freedom we were then allowed to form a militia and fight against the government or any foreign intruder that wanted to come in and change our way of life. But when they made that, when they wrote that Second Amendment, and I was talking with some friends of mine, 
that it was written for muskets and bayonets, okay? That's when they used to take the gunpowder, pour it in the top, take that little stick and shove it down in there real good with those little round balls, and then they would shoot it. And then they'd have to do it again, you know, put that gunpowder in there with those little round balls and jam that stick in there. Or they had a bayonet. That was the gun that had the knife at the end of it. So they had to come up to you and stab you with that in order to get you. It wasn't created for assault rifles. It wasn't created for a rifle that when you put your finger on it, it just continues to go 40 bullets at a clip or 50. I don't even know how many it holds in a clip. It doesn't even matter because if it does more than one when your finger is on the trigger, that's already too many. But let me ask you. So people don't want to give up their guns. They want to cling to the Second Amendment right because they're they're anticipating this invasion. They're anticipating this fact that we might have to fight foreign intruders. But who are they really arming themselves against? Some have said in the Republican Party, oh, you know, there are the assault rifles are for hunting. You know, they use them for hunting. Let me tell you something. If you shoot a bear, if you shoot a deer with an assault rifle, you're not going to have venison steaks for dinner. I'm sorry. You're not. You might have venison ground meat, but you're not going to have whole steaks because the animal is going to be mangled. Some of the children in Uvalde, they were shot so many times that they couldn't even identify them. They had to go through articles of clothing to identify who the child was. Think about that. As for the people that were in the supermarket in Buffalo as well, an assault rifle is overkill. Okay, so let's just get that straight. But let's go back to why do you feel you have to arm yourself? What war are you anticipating? Hmm. If you feel you're going to be under attack, let me ask you this question. If you feel that you're going to be under attack and you need to defend yourself, you need to defend your family because I don't know what's coming. Hmm. Now you're using these assault rifles against people in your own nation, in your own country. You're not talking about people coming across the borders or the water, coming over the water to attack you. No. These are people that are living in your own country right now. Do you think that perhaps mm, maybe you should maybe change the way you're doing things? Like the way you think about people and how you treat people, that you wouldn't constantly have to think that people want to attack you? Because you're getting ready for this revolution that in your mind is going to take place because, oh, maybe perhaps you've been treating people like they don't exist for years. Right. And let me ask you, what is the purpose of Congress? Like, what are they doing? But then again, I also ask the question, maybe Congress is doing exactly what they were put in there to do. Because obviously we keep screaming about we don't want these guns. We want to get rid of all these assault rifles. But yet the same people still keep getting voted into office. So do we really want them to change what's going on? Because if we really wanted them to change what was going on, we would change the people that can make that decision, wouldn't we? But here I have another question for you. I want you to examine yourself when you go to vote. And ask yourself, is it really change that you're looking for? Or is it just, let me be a part of the conversation. Let me just talk about it because everybody else is talking about it. And when you go to vote, are you seeking God for the advice when you're doing this vote? Because remember, this is spiritual warfare. We're in a battle. And Jesus taught us to pray. We have to pray 
what's going on in heaven to take place on earth. So if they're battling in the heavens and our prayers aren't going up there, then it's going to be battling here on earth, right? That's what he taught us when he taught us the Lord's Prayer. We want God's will to be here on earth as it is in heaven. So until we pray God's will, we're going to continue to walk down this road. And let me leave you with this, Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Something to think about, people. And that ends up, Ed. So now we're on to our word of the month. Our word of the month is preparation. The action or process of making ready or being ready for use or consideration. Are you preparing yourself? Are you prepared to continue the walk that you were put here on earth to do? Our promise for this week is coming from Isaiah 41.13. For I, the Lord, your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. And with that, good people, it's been my pleasure to come back to you this week. Like I said, I'm here. I'm on fire. I am ready. We will continue this discussion next week. I want all of you to be safe. COVID is still out there. Wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance. And now we have this new thing, monkeypox. Every time we think that we've conquered something, here comes something else to get us on edge, right? But we can't let that control us. We can't let that guide how we live our life. We just have to live our life the way we have to because there's things we have to do. And if we think about it as spiritual warfare, we know that all these things are going to come against us to stop us from doing what it is that we need to do. So I want everyone to be safe. The Puerto Rican Day Parade is today. It's going to take place, although they're calling for rain. It's not supposed to rain totally on the parade. But for those of you going out there to celebrate, be careful, be safe, take your umbrella, have fun, have clean fun, no fighting, no, just have a good time. This is the first time that it's back on Fifth Avenue again since the pandemic. So everybody be safe. Have a wonderful time. And until God brings us together again next week, peace. Yeah, so undeserving, and yet we worship, giving all the praise. Just humble servants, through sweat and tears, till no more fears. Singing the glory of the gospel out to every air. You cover me with grace and a love so unconditional. It's got me on my face every day, God. Goes the praise of the saints. Goes my praise every day, yeah. Even if the drum stops Than any sand that I hold, more 
precious than any silver and gold, yeah. I told myself that my sin made me unworthy, but truth is I'll never be perfect, but Christ took the burden. Me, I give my all, despite my downfalls. Where many see me fail, only you see me prevail. The bigger depression hits, the louder my praise get. The bigger depression hits, the louder my praise get. Come on. Even if the drums stop Oh, <laughs> 